Today, I'm talking with Rebecca Slosberg, Education Director for the Rogue Valley Farm to School Program. Hi, Rebecca. Hi. Thank you so much for joining us. I, I, I mentioned to you that I couldn't imagine doing a women's work with plant series in the Rogue Valley without including the farm to school program, because it certainly is a woman led uh, endeavor. Wouldn't you agree? <laughs> I would. Yes. Now tell us, I'm very excited to hear about your work as education director. Tell, tell us about your work and, and what you do and, um, and uh, how you got there. All right. Yeah, so a little bit about what Rogue Valley Farm to School does. So um, we have quite a few different programs. Um, so I work with all our education programs and we've really moved more in recent years to a partnership program where we work with specific schools to offer them all the things that we do. So um, this year we're working with eight schools at two different school districts, so all the Central Point Elementary Schools and the three um, Phoenix Talent School District schools. And so we offer um, time in the garden. So all those schools have school gardens. So we have a garden educator at the school that's maintaining the garden and offering weekly garden time with the students. So offering lessons around gardening and all kinds of other things related to plants and nutrition, um, ecology, anything that's happening um, in that way. Um, they also do what we call tasting tables, which is um, a program that happens in the cafeteria. This year, we're looking at how to creatively do that, but somehow being able to offer students um, samples of the harvest of the month. So um, some type of produce that they get to try in a couple different ways, um, see what they think. Ideally, if they love it and it's a popular one, then sometimes that can get incorporated into the um, food service program. Um, we also work with the teachers to offer professional development so we can help them figure, think of ways to get out into the garden more with their students, um, ways to use what the, so the core standards and the other things are already doing in their curriculum and bring that out into the garden. Um, and then we offer field trips. So for all our partner schools, they come out twice a year, fall and spring to one of our partner uh, farms. And right now that's S, the farm at SOU and Hanley Farm. And they'll come out and do, um, typically we've done these harvest meal programs where they come out and they harvest, they cook a meal, they eat it together, they do another activity related to what's happening on the farm. Um, this year with COVID and smoke and all the other things going on, we're looking at a slightly shorter field trip, but it'll be a similar type program, I'm calling it the harvest snack. So we'll be getting going on those really soon. And then we have some other things like pumpkin tours that we do with the younger kids. And then we have a whole nother side of our um, organization, which has really increased in the last couple of years, which is the procurement piece. So meaning getting the local uh, grown produce from the farms into the school cafeteria so that students have that as um, their school lunch. So we're working really hard on trying to increase that uh, local fresh fruit and vegetables from Rogue Valley Farms into uh, those schools. So we do that with our partner schools, but also we work with a lot of other schools in the area besides just our partner schools on that um, farm to cafeteria piece. Wow, a lot of different programs going on. Do most of the schools that you work with already have school gardens when you start working with them, or do you uh, help them develop 
the school gardens? Yeah, good question. Um, at the moment, they all have a school garden. Um, but yes, there were some schools when we first started that there wasn't much of a garden or we helped support them in getting a garden going. Um, we used to have more of a program of kind of teaming up with school volunteers, parents or teachers to help work on their garden. Um, now we've kind of gone to this partnership model where it's a little more direct. So we're working at schools that have an established garden, but we are maintaining and, um, you know, something's adding on or doing whatever we need to do to keep that, that garden um, garden going at the schools that we work in. It seems like more and more schools uh, are uh, making the effort to incorporate school gardens and making more of an effort to incorporate gardening into the school curriculum. Do you do you find that that it's become well? I know that COVID has made it uh, made it challenging, but before that, uh, are you finding that there is a shift more toward you know being on board? to do um, projects like this? Yeah, I think so. I think that um, school administrators are starting to see the benefits of all the amazing things that can come of having a garden on a school campus. Um, so many different benefits from that. And so, yeah, I think people are recognizing that. I think kind of this national farm to school and school garden movement is um, increasing, you know, we go to these state conferences and it used to be, it just felt like a very small movement and it's it's really grown even in the last few years or you know, five, 10 years, it's changed a lot. So yeah, I think that, um, that people are seeing the value of, of school gardens more. And you know, I know that the, the uh, Common Core Standards and you know, curriculum and assessment is really an important thing right now and, and has been for a while. Do you see that teachers are, learning to be pretty creative and how they're incorporating the standards into the gardening so that they're able to, you know, to meet the standards, but really get students out and doing hands-on gardening uh, activities. Yeah, you know, it's really, um, yes, I think that's definitely happening. And that's one of our big roles because for some teachers, it just feels out of their wheelhouse and, you know, how does gardening relate to literature or social studies, math, all those things. So for some teachers, it's just not their comfort level. Other teachers have been doing it for years and years and it feels very comfortable to them and they have no problem, you know, thinking of how to get fractions in the garden. So we are, yeah, that's one of our goals is to really help them find like basically anything you can think of you're doing in the classroom, there's a way to do it um, in the garden. And the garden is just a perfect place for so many of those things. So yes, I think it's happening more. And some teachers have just, since we started doing the program, thinking specifically of Central Point and um, one of our schools, Central Point Elementary School, those teachers have embraced it and really like turn, you know, kind of based their whole curriculum and their whole structure of the year around uh, integrating the garden. So it's been amazing to see those kinds of changes. And what about now? You know, the, the students are finally getting back into schools and, and so teachers may feel a little you know, uh, overwhelmed with all of the new yeah. things. Uh, has that, has that changed anything or, um, or not? Yeah, definitely. You know, we just, last year was for, as for everyone in education, especially just, um, you know, we redoing, reworking, reimagining, constantly being creative and adapting and flexible. We did a whole 
created an entire, you know, distance learning, synchronous lessons, weekly lessons online that we were doing, you know, live with the kids. So it was a whole new thing for us. And um, so now coming into this year, we've got some of that, you know, I kind of feel like we have this sense of whatever it is, we can do it. We've done what we thought was unimaginable last year. So um, I think a lot of the teachers, you know, yes, they are definitely overwhelmed. Um, and it, for some teachers, it feels like a lot, but the teachers that have had the program, I think see that it's actually a real benefit for them. And um, we just did a, a pretty big in-depth evaluation. And one of the things that we found that we hadn't really thought about was that the, the chance for the teachers to be out in the garden with the students, some of those social and emotional things that we were seeing were benefits for the students. That goes for the teachers too. You know, it was a calm, space for them to be in the garden and that role of being with the students in a different role where there's another, you know, one of the garden educators was being the lead and being the teacher and they could do things alongside their students and have that kind of more informal way of interacting with their students. All those, um, all those kind of benefits that we were seeing from the teachers. So a lot of those teachers that worked with us last year, even though last year was so crazy and all over the place, um, are really excited to get back and to do this garden program and to do all the pieces that we didn't get to do uh, last year. So yes, there's always overwhelm in trying to fit garden time into an incredibly busy schedule with all the obligations they have um, on their time that they need to do with their students. But um, I think they see how, how beneficial it is. And it's often, you know, it's the highlight of the week for a lot of students to get to go out to the garden. I bet it is. And I just love the whole idea of the um, harvest of the month and that the students get to vote on the uh, food, the garden foods that they like the most. Tell me, give me, give me some examples of what uh, what kind of uh, garden food the kids particularly like. Oh, well, so they get to try some things right out in the garden. So, you know, like right now, cherry tomatoes are big, but it's just been amazing to me to see like things that, you know, kids all say, oh, I don't like greens or whatever, but they will pick a little bit of kale and just eat it raw right there in the garden. Um, there's something Nothing about like that fresh direct, food. yeah, that direct picking. And, you know, even when you bring it inside and cook it, it's not quite the same as just like picking it and putting it right in your mouth. So they get to try all kinds of things um, in the garden. And then those tasting tables, um, we have a wonderful person on staff, Deanna, who is a chef, and she did some great creative things with um, you know, beet hummus and all kinds of interesting, you know, trying vegetables in different ways that might be new for students. Um, so some of those tasting table samples um, were a real hit that, you know, they, the kids get to vote. And um, the way that they vote is, um, I tried it, I liked it, or I loved it. So they don't get to say they didn't <laughs> like it. <laughs> Very smart. <laughs> And there's really, you know, there's something to that, um, that way of thinking. And I see it in the garden too. You know, if, if there's this positive peer pressure, if there's like, oh, this is fun. And like this sense of adventure of, yeah, even if they don't love it, well, at least you tried it and you tried something new and that's brave and it's adventurous. So um, there is a lot of that feeling, even if it's like, yeah, it takes a long time to acquire a taste for some of those vegetables if it's the first time you've ever had them. But our idea is like, hopefully, you know, more over time, you try it more and try it in different ways and you learn to enjoy those flavors and um, get a chance to try things that are maybe new for you. It must be an awesome feeling, Rebecca, to be responsible for really 
creating lifelong gardeners from your program. I mean, I'm sure many of these students end up being gardeners who never would have thought of gardening before participating in your program. Yeah, yeah, I hope so. And you know, it's, I always like to think when kids are coming out to the garden or especially with the field trips where it might be like they just come out once or twice a year, that it's a positive experience and somewhere in there, you know, it's percolating around in their brain and in their body. And who knows, you know, it could be years later that they kind of have that memory of, oh yeah, remember that time we went on that field trip and have some kind of positive association of, oh yeah, we tried, we picked a little bit, we picked a radish right out of the ground. And maybe that doesn't even resonate with them for, you know, years and years later, but somewhere it's in there that they had that, those positive associations with being in the garden and being in the farm. And um, especially right now, it's like, what's more empowering than learning those skills to grow your own food and to have something that you're responsible for and that sense of ownership for the students um, and they have to work together you know it's just there's so many benefits and it's and it's just such a calm nurturing place to be in a garden even if we're doing nothing you know I'm totally happy when the educators say like we didn't do any gardening today you know it's it, it can be fine to just put your hands in the dirt and not actually, you know, plant anything or just to sit and listen in the garden, all those things, all those benefits of just being there and being surrounded by plants. So we try to, we're really trying hard, um, kind of starting last year, we kind of made this conscious shift, you know, we already had with COVID, we were trying to figure out how to, you know, make it more really emphasize those kind of mindfulness and that the, the emotional benefits of being in a garden. Um, and then the fire happened. And so after the fire, we kind of came back together and it's like, you know, what, what do these students really need? Yeah, it would be nice if they learned some botany and things like that. But what they really need is to feel supported and to belong and be part of the community and to be grateful and all those things that we all needed so badly after the fire. And it just felt like gardens are such a great way to bring those things to students. So we've really been trying to emphasize those pieces of the garden education, being in a garden. I have heard that from so many people that during the COVID, after the fire, their garden is what really kept them sane. So I am sure that that goes, you know, is is very much uh, the, the, the case for the students that you work with. Also, I think your program is revolutionizing how students think about school meals. You know, when I was in elementary school, the school uh, meals had, a, had, you know, left a lot to be desired. But now the students are getting fresh garden-grown food as, uh, in their school meal. How, how, how did that come about? I mean, how, how did the schools kind of gradually decide we're not going to go with these um, companies that, you know, serve the frozen food, but we're going to focus more on locally grown food? I mean, that had to been to be a paradigm change. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. And to be honest, it's it's not where we want it yet. It's um, it's still a pretty big uphill battle to make changes to uh, to school food. And what we found is like a person and like a few decisions can make a huge difference. So just for example, Central Point uh, Elementary School has their own food service, so they don't. Um, they don't contract out to a food service company. They have their own food service and their food service director is just 
um, she'd be a great person to interview. She's just one of those amazing dynamic people that is willing to go the effort, make the extra effort to bring really good food. She's super creative. And so she has worked hard for years. And so we've partnered with her a lot. And so we were able to, you know, really say like, okay, this is, this farmer has this and you can use that. And she'll figure out a way to, to bring it into the school meals. Um, and some of those districts that have, um, that contract out with, with food service companies, it's, it's much, it's really, really difficult. And um, the desire is there, I think, to, to get healthier choices, but um, it's dealing with a multinational company that um, is just a different kind of situation than dealing with a local person that's working for the school district. Right. Um, so let's do, let's shift a little bit. I want to talk about your journey toward to in the, in the plant world now. Um, so you, I, I kind of looked at some of your background, um, uh, employment. <laughs> I've researched you, um, you've worked as an interpretive park ranger an environmental educator in several states and an educator at an outdoor science school in California. So mm -hmm. tell, tell me a little bit about your journey. How, did, how in the heck did you end up in the Rogue Valley, Rebecca? <laughs> Good question. Um, yeah. So, you know, I just grew up as someone that always loved being outside. And I was lucky to have a family that also really liked being outside. Um, so I was always, you know, in the outdoors as something that was, that was my happy place to be outside. And um, I went to Humboldt State University and has a lot of great science and, you know, outdoor type programs. Um, and I also always had this love of people. And I started off as a social, actually, I started off as a marine biology major. I ended up being an anthropology major, but I took a lot of the natural resources and, and science classes. Um, and at one point I thought I would be an ethnobotanist because that, you know, was a way to combine those two things I was interested in. Um, yeah. So I kind of have always had that, I don't know, just that love of plants, I think has been there for a long time. Um, and then I got into working for the National Park Service and so got into that, yeah, as a ranger doing interpretive hikes and programs and, um, you know, getting to learn about the ecology of some of the most beautiful, you know, national parks all over the country and getting to share that and teach that to people. And um, I got to do some environmental ed as a park ranger. We do, you know, some class programs, um, little bits here, but mostly, you know, working with the public, doing those kind of guided interpretive programs. And um, yeah, so I kind of moved all over the place doing that and then ended up in California working in outdoor school which was great. So we worked with um, kindergarten through fifth graders, but we'd have the fifth grade, you know, for overnight outdoor school and did programs there and got to take kids out hiking. And so it's always the, the plant part of usually the hikes that I love the most, um, but all, you know, kind of how those fit and those human plant interactions have always been interesting to me. And then um, let's see, after California, after working in San Luis Obispo at the outdoor school, I ended up moving up here and going to SOU in the environmental education master's program, um, which was great. And while I was doing that, I 
at towards the end, I was doing my thesis project. And so I was looking at people doing all kinds of different environmental education programs in the Rogue Valley. So part of my program was developing a curriculum and also looking kind of the survey of what people were already doing in the Rogue Valley. And um, so I knew a little bit of Rogue Valley Farm to School. I'd heard of them. And so I got to kind of meet with them and find out more of what they did. And at that point, it was Melina Barker who I was talking to. And I did this program with bringing some high school students out from Lithia Springs in Ashland. Um, students that are mostly, that were in, either in foster care or been through the judicial system, all boys. And um, we did a harvest meal type program where we, we harvested on the farm, uh, Eagle Mill Farm, and we cooked a meal. And it just had this huge impact, just seeing those boys out there, how, how much they enjoyed it and how amazing it was to pick, watching them pick their food, pick the things, make it, and then sit there and eat that food and how amazed they were that they could do that. Like it just was um, great. And I thought, okay, this is where I want to head, you know, not only like enjoying plants and then this food piece of getting to eat plants, you know, it's just an amazing thing. So, um, so that got me involved with Rogue Valley Farm to School. And I was still doing a lot of watershed education too at that point. Um, so I was kind of doing both the, you know, that outdoor environmental education with the watershed education and doing this, um, starting to work for Farm to School. I'd help with their harvest meal programs and pumpkin tours. So I've worked for Farm to School for over a decade now. Um, and in the last, you know, five years really intensively as more of a, um, director and manager, but um, yeah, it's been a great journey and it feels like whenever I get down on my job, I just have to go like be in a garden or be on a farm and see the kids seeing it for themselves. And it just feels like such a worthwhile thing to be able to bring to students. And, and thank goodness for people like you, Rebecca, and all of the women Aww. that you work with at Rogue Valley Farm to School. I mean, just doing excellent, extraordinary work. So thank you. Oh, thanks, Rhonda. That's nice.